This week on The Sport Blokes. This week, Big Brother reigns supreme as the Aussies win the T20 World Cup final. A bunch of fights in the NBA. Who showed up for the ducking New York Marathon? <laughs> and Dylan Alcott calls time on one of the best careers you can imagine. Oh, it's good to be back, Street. Off the bye week. Let's go. It's 8.38 and 38 seconds and 21 minutes, 22 minutes, 23 milliseconds. They go a bit faster. <laughs> it was a good try. I appreciate it. Well, I don't know where I go from that. I've added an extra next one each and every time. We're fresh off a of bye week, Stewie. We're raring and ready to go as we do at the top every week. What caught your attention? What'd you miss? Well, before I get into that, I do just want to quickly say, I hope everyone enjoyed the second choke special. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I actually quite enjoyed listening to it again. It was uh, it was good to refresh the memory on what we spoke about. But yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed those. We've got a few more that we'll be, we'll be putting into the bank fairly Plenty soon. Plenty more where that came from. We've already recorded three. So yeah, absolutely. So in terms of what caught my attention, it has been a very busy two weeks for me, including a week in Adelaide on business, which is why we didn't record a normal episode last week. And I'll talk a bit more about my trip to Adelaide later in the episode. But Ooh. well, yeah, there's a, there's a little, little something in the cricket, <laughs> but uh, still time for a couple of things. So the first one, Stephen Gerrard, and very relevant to me being a, a Glasgow Rangers fan. He's actually been signed though as the new manager of Aston Villa, took the opportunity to move back down from Scotland to England with an incredibly successful stint at Rangers under his belt. Dominant last season, four points clear of Celtic at the top of the table. He leaves Rangers in as good a position as he possibly can. Aston Villa, two points ahead of the relegation zone at the moment. Ah, in the right. Yeah, so they're desperate. So a very, very big challenge ahead of him. Next, we had the big story out of wheelchair tennis with Dylan Alcott, the 15-time Grand Slam champion, or 23, I guess, if you count the doubles. Yes, indeed. He has officially called time on his career at the end of the Australian Open next year. So hopefully number 16 before he hangs them up. And uh, yeah, what a perfect way to go out in your home Grand Slam. Yes, indeed. Yeah, won a few gold medals over the years too, four, four golds and uh, a gold and a silver in the wheelchair basketball too. So what a yeah, career he's had. I actually wasn't aware of how successful he was in the basketball before he, he went over to the tennis. He was an MVP in the 2010 NWBL Low Point Series. Obviously, you mentioned that he's that, that dual medalist as well. It, it just had a, an amazing career, but time for a new challenge. Yeah, good on him for entering politics. So I had a quote here. There are heaps of people with disability who get the opportunity to advocate and say what we want, but the final decisions are often not made by people with disability, are they, at the moment? So why not? Why not? Why couldn't we have a prime minister with a disability? So he's aiming high, but good on him. Absolutely. And he's, you know, a great speaker, very loved. So, yep, good on him and all the best in the next chapter deal. Absolutely, yes. We will miss you, though, on the court. We, we will. And he had a great story about how he got on centre court at the Australian Open, too. He'd be, he was studying uh, economics at the time and said to the manager or whatever, like, oh, it's just supply and demand. Put us on the big court and people will come. And sure enough, they got this massive crowd. And he said that there was, like, tons of kids in wheelchairs and it just, yeah. They've been on centre court ever since. So it's good. good. That's yeah. good. Um, a couple of little things with AFL offseason to talk about. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's start off with a pretty hilarious one. Geez, Gold Coast screwed the pooch royally with Hugh Greenwood, didn't they? That's they, an understatement. Delisted him with the plan to redraft him and he's fucked off to North Melbourne. Yep. yep. They, uh, they made him an offer he couldn't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't kill him. No, no. They made, <laughs> made they gave him a lot like, of money <laughs> to run around the field. But uh, yeah, look, when I was, when I was, Initially researching this, I kind of had that that Godfather sort of feel uh, to it. Okay. They, yeah, good on North Melbourne for doing it. They had to throw money at someone. How's this? Apparently, it was David Noble's wife, Sarah, who said, oh, you should jump on afl.com.au. There's a player we might want to have a look at. 
<laughs> so she's the mastermind behind the deal. She's the evil genius. Yeah, so along with Rory Thompson and Jez McLennan, they delisted a few players and he's not coming back. But he actually tweeted, oh, don't worry, I'm coming back. And then a day later... Oh, he will be coming back just with a different version. The away team, yeah. It wasn't all bad for Gold Coast. They've actually just re-upped Twook Miller for, I believe, five years. So they've... they've oh, released... that's a big loss, though. Like... Oh, it's a huge loss. Yeah. A huge loss. Yeah, well, yeah. If you will. Yeah. Yeah, so Gary Lyon on SEN Breakfast this morning, he was fuming. How do you arrive on the fact that Hugh Greenwood, of all players on your list, is the one that might get passed on? I know he's had a knee injury, but Hugh Greenwood is everything the Gold Coast Suns aspire to be and never have been in their short period of existence. He's hardworking, he's consistent, he is uncompromising, his standards don't alter from week to week, he's tough, he wins contested ball, he tackles, he plays his gut out every single time he takes on the field, and he's the one player they think no one else is going to want to bid on? Not a good choice. No, not, yes. a, not a good choice at all. And, and very true. He's a, a brilliant player, and unfortunately for the Gold Coast... They sell themselves further down that river of mediocrity. Yeah, it's not a wise thing to uh, delist one of your best 22. No. <laughs> but kind of on that same topic, the thing that interested me the most in the last couple of weeks was a, a very interesting comment from Carl Langdon, and it's about the broken rookie system in this, in this league. So delisting veterans with a commitment to sign them as a rookie. And someone like Jared Polek, for example, he's played 141 games. How can you re-sign him as a rookie? So I, I just, I don't get this. The rookie draft for me... Yeah, we've mentioned this before, yeah. Absolutely. It should be for guys who have not played a game of AFL footy rather than a way for teams to get around the salary cap issues. Yep, yep. Okay, you paid him too much. I get it. Jared Polek was not worth the money that they gave him when he came across from Port Adelaide. But, you know, you, you sort of make your bed. Yep, <laughs> so. yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I think there are some tweaks to the system that are probably overdue. Absolutely, there is. And yeah. and as much as Carl Langdon said some pretty goofy stuff over the years, that's one I <laughs> very, very much agree with. Uh, yeah. Well, so I guess there's a perfect opportunity to bring the other thing uh, that's been big news in the last fortnight, Stewie, in the AFL world, well, and AFLW as well, and that's the skin folds tests. They're getting rid of them, apparently. So they should. Fat people like me can't handle skin folds. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, honestly, though, what, what do you make of all this? I just, yeah, I, I think the world's gone a little bit cuckoo with all of this sort of stuff and... You know, what are, what are the reasons, the mental health and well-being of these players? Well, how many of them are going to have a skin fold that's more than a type? Like, they're all bloody skinny buggers. Well, well, so initially I had the reaction that a lot of the traditionalists had. And I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. Come on. And then I had a chat with a mate who's a big AFL fan. And I thought about it more. And the other thing that did occur to me is, hmm, I wonder if they're thinking about AFLW too. Because obviously eating disorders... True. Disproportionately affect women compared to men. They probably need a one-size-fits-all approach. Forgive the clumsiness of that analogy. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. So, so if they're going to eliminate it from one, they probably have to eliminate it across the board. So Darcy Vessio, I saw in the AFLW, said, if we're serious about mental health and well-being of players and society, then why slam a change that promotes that? There's already game vision available and performance testing during the combine. And don't forget the players coming into this year's draft have been through COVID and lockdowns. Their well-being should be prioritised, not scoffed at. And then the other thing our mate said is, well, how useful are these tests actually? Yeah, Do you know what point. I mean? I, like, I feel a right tip. Well, I, I don't know. I, I'm, still, I'm still a little bit on the fence because I'd really like to know how useful these tests are. But I, I, I'm beginning to wonder if this was actually a good decision. I, I mean, I, th I guess at the end of the day, 
that's not really the sort of thing that's going to win premierships. It's how fast you can run, how well, high you can jump, how far you can keep going, accuracy, all of that sort of stuff. And there's been all these stories about Clayton Oliver after the D's one about how pudgy he was and this fat little kid from Victoria. Mm. And yeah, so yeah, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Tony Lockett would have failed, wouldn't he? Well. But that was back in the days where they used to go and sink a whole bunch of piss in the, the change rooms. After well, the you know, if you're kicking goals, does it matter? Does not. Uh, what else have I got? I've got a range of things. So I got an email from Jim Kids about a Ben Simmons ball on sale for $20 down from 60 I wonder why those aren't selling very well. Because they never go in when mm. you shoot free throws. <laughs> They're not even shot. Yeah. <laughs> Great passing ball, that one. <laughs> the Atlanta Braves won the World Series for the first time since 1995. Saw Canelo Alvarez made history by holding all four boxing belts in the super middleweight division after 11th round knockout of Caleb Plant. Uh, he's 51, 1, and 2 in his career. So that's a decent little uh, record, it's isn't it? Not bad. Not bad. And I'll, I'll do the bad before one last one. So former Wimbledon and French Open doubles winner Peng Shui is still missing 10 days after accusing a senior politician of rape in China. Shui's disappeared from all Chinese social media and the WTA has called for the allegations to be investigated fully, fairly, transparently, and here's the key one, without censorship. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, it's really sad. It, it is, yeah. It's... It's one of these things that's just kind of been kind of been buried, I think, in the in the media. I've only seen that. Yeah, it didn't through the rounds as much as I thought no, it might. Yeah, yeah. And as much as I, I sort of hate to say this, it's amazing how much media attention a four-year-old girl who was lost for two weeks got. But you compare that to a sportsman who. Well, yeah. No, I, like, yeah. like I'm, I'm not. It's I'm, like that I girl in America as well, I, the, the teenager yeah. or the young, like young lady, if you're in her twenties, whatever she was. But, I 100 understand yeah. why. Yeah. But at the same time, like I've only seen this pop up a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. But we're talking about a Grand Slam champion here as well in the doubles. So yep, yep. we're not just talking about some third tier player who maybe isn't quite as relevant in inverted commas. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's yeah, it's an interesting yeah. one. Yeah. I'll kind of uh, bring the mood up a little bit. Do you know what a scurigami is? Scurigami, uh, that is a squirrel doing origami, isn't it? <laughs> Close. It's actually a score that's occurred in a sporting event that's never happened before. So there's an that's NFL not even fucking close at all. There's an NFL Twitter account called NFL underscore scurigami. And uh, the 45 to 30 uh, Indianapolis Colts win over the New York Jets was a scurigami. The 1,069th unique final score in NFL history. Huh. But it's a really funny account, so I'll just kind of show you through now. Like so, Ah, uh, McDonald's, yes. But like, see, that score has happened 69 times before, most recently on December 13. <laughs> and then it's even got like half time. This has a 1.91% chance of ending in Scorigami. And then it's even got your... Like, it most likely. Oh, uh, Twitter is a wonderful thing. A I'm wonderful I'm thing. guessing that McDonald's was nothing to do with it. No, that was just an ad. Ah. Uh, yeah. What'd you miss, mate? Well, I didn't get a chance to watch the New Zealand versus England semi-final at the T20 World Cup. Unfortunately, being at asshole o'clock in the middle of the night, I probably prioritised sleep over that one. Yeah, look, I'll be honest. I had the best of intentions with that one, but had to settle on the mini in the end. No, I feel yeah. like fair enough. Yeah. And I haven't actually seen a lot of the NBL Blitz, sadly. I haven't seen any of it yet, to be honest, I've either. Seen but, a, uh... a couple of games, but not as much as I would have liked. And kind of raced through the Wildcats game today against Adelaide. Well, we have some very exciting times ahead with NBL. So I've kind of intentionally put it on the back burner, knowing that in, in about a fortnight's time, we're going to be going pretty hard on the NBL as that season draws closer. So yeah, yeah. How'd we go? Did we win? Nah. Ah. It's like 64 to 56. Uh, we're, missing, we're missing a few. Blocks. It was a very low scoring average, average game. Yeah, right. Yeah. Preseason. Uh, yeah, exactly. Here's what it is.
So, Stewie, the cricket championship that has eluded Australia for many, many years is now in the cupboard. It was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? It certainly the, was. The, the timings, and I've heard so many different people do this whole, like, did you watch the game? And you and I, I know we both watched it. We did, yeah. Live chatting with a bunch of mates <laughs> throughout um, the course. One of o'clock it. in the morning on a freaking school night. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it was a weird one. Not a lot of people didn't get to get to watch it. They were watching the replays. They were watching the minis, whatever it was. Yeah, and, and obviously people over-raced. The time difference was much more terrible. Than, yeah, you know. I was glad to be back from Adelaide for that. Yeah, and look, I would I would say that um, I'm glad I stayed up for it, but I would have been staying up watching the first half of the NFL anyway. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always stay up to 132 on a month on a Sunday night so yeah yeah no but great win now obviously a bit's happened since we recorded last we had the Bangladesh game the West Indies there's a number of games so I think we'll just race ahead to the semi-finals yeah I think that probably makes the most sense so I don't know about you on this one but I could not get over how eerily similar the two semi-finals were. there was there was a lot of similarity between the two and it's got to be said they were both pretty good games. They were. And and so often in finals, there's at least one disappointment. So all three matches, including the final, I think were all very entertaining. Well, when you get a game that goes over 330 runs and then the next one goes over 350, you've got to be pretty happy. With and that. it was a low-scoring tournament too. It was, it was. So I guess just looking at a couple of the similarities, you had two very high-quality batting sides in England and Pakistan that absolutely dominated their way through the round robin. They both put on pretty good scores with contributions from multiple guys in their innings. And in reply, Australia and New Zealand lost a key opener in the first over. And then they got over the line, thanks largely to a lower order cameo. Yep. Two cracking games. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So what, start England, New Zealand, I guess, chronologically? Chronologically, yeah, let's do it. Probably makes the most sense. So yeah, this was the one that I didn't get a chance to see more than the highlights of. Obviously being in Adelaide, it was stupid o'clock before it even started yeah let alone yeah, before yeah. it finished yeah but geez i mean it looked like new zealand had kind of fucked this one up after the 16th over when they're batting they let liam livingston concede three runs yeah i know he's he's very good with the ball the whole tournament but wasn't you, he? you made that comment last time we recorded it how well he bowled yeah and, and yeah. the fact that the australians didn't go after him but yeah he, he did bowl incredibly well i oh, did a job for the mall tournament no doubt and, and I guess I guess before we even sort of get further into this, should quickly highlight the scores. So England finished on four for 166. New Zealand chased that down five for 167. And 166 in a final, like the scores will often be maybe 10% lower in a final. So that was definitely defendable, but it was also very chaseable, wasn't it? Well, it, it so was. I was in the balance at, at, at the halfway mark, it, it was. change of innings. And the thing is, after that Livingston over, New Zealand need 57 off 24, which is it's not necessarily a walk in the park the margin for error starts to shrink pretty quickly yeah it does and then the jimmy nation on yeah wow so yeah. this is the cameo we talk about so yeah. he he's hit three boundaries as part of a 23 run over of chris jordan although one of them has to be said was just six johnny bairstow catches it on yes. the boundary yes doesn't keep his knee up and throws it back in. Yeah, and people made the comparisons between the 2019 World Cup final where the shoe was on the other foot and one of the New Zealand blocks. I think it was Trent Bolt. It was Trent Bolt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, that key, was, key moment. I completely forgot about that. Key moment, yeah. But yeah. I have to say, it was the 19th and final over that impressed me the most. So Chris Wokes, he had bowled superbly. Three overs, two for 16. And he gets the length slightly, slightly wrong. He's a little bit short. And Daryl Mitchell absolutely dispatched him. Oh, Mitchell was magnificent too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's game over. As simple as that. Yep. 
Yeah. I don't think there's really too much more that you need to say about that. I mean, that's as much as I can certainly give you in terms of the insight. I think the Tymor Mills injury couldn't have come at a worse time because it really affected how England bowled people when they did because they like to bowl works near the front because he swings it. They don't like to bowl him at the death too much, whereas Time Will Mills is a death specialist. So I think that was big. Jason Roy was a big out for them too, in fairness. Yes. So England did get some bad injuries at the wrong time. Yeah. Speaking of injuries. Yes, yes. How do you make getting stumped worse? You punch, punch your bat, bat and yeah. break your hand oh, and miss a World Cup final. Terrible, terrible stuff. I mean, we all get frustrated. I've seen a mate of ours punch a concrete wall and break his hand after missing a layup. But that's a social comp, not playing for your country. Yeah, well, that's even worse in some ways. Well, yeah, actually, that's probably good. <laughs> uh, Alistair Clarkson likes to break walls. Yeah. <laughs> but he's just a coach. It doesn't matter if he breaks his hand. But it takes me back to Mike Mitchell of the Gold Coast Rollers putting his hand through a, a glass door and severing tendons in his wrist. Yeah, right. There you that go. 19, good reference. 91, yeah. I think it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Devin Conway, I mean, he was New Zealand's fourth leading run scorer coming into the final. So pretty important player. Really important glue guy in the middle of the order. Yeah. And held the gloves too. Mm. So huge, huge out. Mm. Yeah, not good. Now, the other semi-final, and this is where the similarities get even crazier. When you remember, England four for 166. Yep. And New Zealand were five for 167. Pakistan, four for 176. Right. Defeated by Australia, five for 177. There you go. So it was exactly 10 runs more, same amount of wickets. Yeah, yep. Crazy. Parallels. And again, I talk about those sort of key overs. It is so easy to underestimate in such a big total how crucial the 16th and the 19th overs in this match were. Okay. So the 16th over was bowled by Adam Zampa went for just five. And then over 19, which is probably even more important, and keep in mind as well, this kind of is bookended by a couple of overs from Mitch Stark that go for like 16, 15, 16 runs. Yep. Cummins goes for just three in the 19th over. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that The, the momentum swung in that semifinal tons, back and forth, back and forth in both innings. And if, if those two overs go for maybe 12, which very conceivable in those death overs... You're talking about oh, of course, a total yeah. in the 190s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And that's a very, very different story. Yeah. But I think in terms of what I enjoyed, I know I enjoyed watching the Pakistan innings. I thought they batted superbly. Oh, absolutely. Mohammad Rizwan and Fakhar Zaman, they were perfect. Absolutely perfect through there. They set it up just spot on, compiled their innings beautifully. By the way, Simon Dool was basically saying fucker like Zaman. He wasn't even trying to say fucker, you know. Oh, he was just... <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, fucker. I mean, you've got to try. <laughs> you do. You've I, got to try. I, that's, that's a name I'd be very delicately pronouncing. I, I, would, I mean, I would be focusing on just saying Zaman the whole time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but uh, no, look, it was, it was an absolutely, yeah, as I say, a superbly compiled inning by those two. And Barbara Razam, not bad. 39, yeah, maybe they would have liked... Laid a good foundation. Would have liked a little bit more from him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so good to watch. Like, if kids want to learn how to bat properly, he is the guy to watch. Because his footwork, his balance, the way he holds his head, he is a joy to watch. I love watching him play. He's fantastic. And it's no surprise that he and Rizwan were the top two runs. Well, actually, they weren't at the end, but for a decent amount of it. Yes, for the vast majority. For the pool matches prior to the finals. They were the, the top scorers. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you a little story about Mohammed Rizwan. Did you know that he was actually in hospital 24 hours I did. Before? Yes, I did. I saw it on Twitter. Um, I think it was Shahid Afridi, I think, or, or one of the ex-players had tweeted about it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he had a chest infection, and, and that probably undersells it. He was in intensive care. Yes, for he was in days. ICU. He was in ICU. Yep. And he comes out and scores 67 off 52 and nearly leads his 
yeah. his country to a final. Yep. It's, it's insane. Oh, some of those square cuts and oh, a joy to watch. That's why I picked him to win. Yeah. And Shaheen Afridi's first over was bloody good Yeah. Too. Oh, the, the, ball, <laughs> oh the, the ball that he delivered to get rid of Aaron Finch oh, was brilliant. Yeah, just superb. Yeah. And, and there's been a few of them. It was yeah. the, the same ball that he used to get rid of Rohit Sharma earlier in the series. He is turning into one of the, the better bowlers in T20s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was him that kind of cost them towards the end as well. But uh, He's young. He's got plenty of time. But, yeah, if you look at the way that Australia replied, it was less than convincing for the most part. Yeah, it was it was five for ninety six off twelve points. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was it was a pretty dodgy there for a while. It's shaky. It is shaky. It was. It was. Uh, look, I guess what leads up to that, David Warner, the dismissal. Stewie, that's why I say you should never walk. Yeah, I, I can understand. I guess that's the whole. You know, that's the flip never, side. Never, never intentionally miss free throws if you're not fouled because you'll get fouls that are missed. Yep. I don't want to say it was a howler because I actually honestly thought there was a noise. I uh, see live. I live. I actually said out loud and I shouldn't have because my girlfriend was trying to sleep. Um, he didn't hit that. That was like my immediate reaction live. He see, didn't hit that. See, I heard a noise. I don't know what it was, but I, I definitely heard a noise. But he's missed the ball by an absolute mile. Yeah. As it turns out. Yep. And I think Warner thought he'd hit it because. Well, clearly. I mean, he started walking. Yeah. So. Yep. So you get that. You've got Steve Smith makes five. Glenn Maxwell makes seven. 81 needed of 46. It's looking very shaky at that looking, point. Not looking yeah. that great. Enter Stoin and Wade. And, and you think being Aussies, we would understand, you know, the whole memory of Mike Hussey and what he did to Pakistan. Yes, yep. The, the Pakistanis are perennial chokers just like South Africa. I don't know if they're that bad. No. But they're well, not on that level. But, but they choke a lot yeah. in these, in these yeah. big moments. And yeah, as you say, it, it comes down to that lower order player, or in this case, two players that make a difference. Matty Wade apparently thought that was his last game for Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Marsh had a decent cameo prior to that, it's got to be said. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, but, he smacked a few around. But yeah. this was the moment. Matty Wade, 41 off 17. And it certainly has to be mentioned, Marcus Stoinis as well. He is another one of those much maligned sort of players. Yeah. And, I mean, what did he have? Like 40, 40 off 31, I think it was. So very, very good performance by both of those guys. But we always talk about that old adage, catches win matches. Oh, yes. And Wade's on 21. Yep. Hassan Ali drops a somewhat regulation catch on the boundary. You would think that a professional player would take that. You would, but a lot of those catches were going down all tournament. And they talk about the Dubai Ring of Fire the, and apparently the lights. the lights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And of course, what happens? Wade dispatches the next three balls over the fence for six. And that's you. Oh, it's it. always the way. It's always the way. Kane Williamson did the exact same thing to Starkey in the final. Yep. Yep. So. We've got our winners. That's Australia, New Zealand going through to the final. And you, you really probably couldn't talk about more of a contrast between the two teams in terms of, I guess, the respect levels around the world. Everyone fucking hates Australia. <laughs> there's there's this whole mentality that we just rocked up to this tournament, a bunch of big blokes and went, right, let's have a swing, see how we go. Yeah. Whereas the New Zealanders, very professional, very respectful, very sporting well, there was that one, I can't remember who it was, but he didn't take a single when he couldn't because he was obstructing. Oh, okay, you've got, yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, the very next thing I wanted to talk about yeah, okay. was this whole sportsmanship thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, talk us through the New Zealand one. Oh, yeah, so Ad Adil Rashid was, and look, he was a bit disappointing, it's got to say, but he was, he kind of obstructed, Daryl Mitchell had every right to take a run when the ball's been smacked past the, near the bowler. But no, kept the bat in the crease in a difficult chase. Impressive. Maybe even stupid some I, I personally, I think it's great sentiment, but I don't think there was a need to. 100%. 
take the single. Yeah, I would have taken it. I, I think Mitchell was just trying to get back into his crease. And if Rashid fields it, he's going to run him out. So he's kind of got to do that. And in a situation where you need 34 off 18 to make a World Cup final, chewing up a delivery, doing the right thing. I mean, there's sportsmanship and then there's that. Yeah. And, and I agree, it kind of almost borderlines on on stupid a little bit. But yeah, yeah, there's such thing as too nice. Right? It's, it's too much for me. Yeah. I imagine yeah. if they lost by a run. Yeah, I know, I know. And especially after what happened in the 2019 World Cup. Well, actually, they did have 19 boundaries to England's 18, Stewie, which a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people were putting all over social media oh, after the match. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but... There was a little bit of good karma for them. Jimmy Nation, obviously, he's, he's hit the next ball for six and they take 14 off the next four balls. Yep. Mitchell's the hero. I'm honestly not sure I could have. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't. I would have run there. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got the complete contrast with everyone on social media calling David Warner a dog. Yeah. So- and look, obviously, there's sentiment here with Sandpaper Gate and stuff. And prior to that, he was already not very popular, getting in fisticuffs with the uh, South Africans and stuff on that same tour. Wow. So Yeah, but he punched Joe Root as well. So it should balance out. <laughs> so what's happened is Muhammad Hafiz has come in, tried to bowl. I don't know what he was trying to bowl, but... Well, just stuck in his hand. He got stuck in his hand. He's bowling his office, yeah. And, and it's basically lobbed up and bounced a couple of times off the pitch. Yep. Being called a no ball. And Warner, well within his rights to go chasing it and... He's smashed the living shit out of this. Absolutely, thing. yeah. It was a good shot, and it's been it's been called quote shameful and absolutely pathetic by Gautam Gambia. I've heard it referred to as the David Warner incident, like he fucking killed someone or something. Oh, an incident. Why? How is that an incident? Yeah. See, I think the important thing to remember with this is it was called a no ball, not a dead ball. Yes, exactly, exactly. If there's a waist tie full toss, you hit that one for six if you can. Yep. If there's a front foot no ball, you hit yeah. that for six. Yep. So why the hell can't you hit a six off this one? Oh, I, it's I, ridiculous. The bottom line is the bowler tried something, it didn't work. That's the result you get. The exact same way as you say, they try and bowl a Yorker at yep. over pitches and ends up as a full toss. Yep. And it gets dispatched. I would absolutely expect a batter to chase this one if it was bowled by Adam Zampa or Glenn Maxwell oh, of course. or anyone else. And the, the best retort I saw on social media, and I can't remember who said it, unfortunately, was basically, well, you can't have it both ways. If the wiki claims the catch when Warner doesn't hit it, then you can't have, like, yeah. uh, you know, you uh, can't have it both ways. Yeah. As, as far as I'm concerned, the bowler's intent means absolutely nothing in this case. The ball is bowled where it's bowled and... You go after it. If you've got a chance to, to hit it, go for it. And at least he hit it high. So many of Pakistan's shots were really low. They were just clubbing them and keeping them really low. Like, check out this screenshot I took of one where the umpire had a 0.68 seconds reaction time to get down. Otherwise, he would have been sconed in the head. Look at that. Look how close that is. Look how close he was. Pretty close. <laughs> they were just clubbing them so low, the Pakistanis. Yeah, no, but but in all seriousness, though, come on, guys, pick your battles. That's that's not one to be winching about. It's, Def- it's just cricket, in my opinion. Yeah, of course. So we move on to the final, the big one. Yep. Big brother versus little brother. Yep. Round however many. <laughs> well, round, round two in the finals, anyway. New Zealand four for 172, defeated by Australia two for 173, with seven balls remaining. <sighs> I feel for New Zealand. I, I, I do too. I really do. I know. I know. It's weird, isn't it? I'm just, I'm just glad they won the Test Championship. Yeah. 
because they really are one of the best teams in world cricket at the moment. And granted, a few blokes have retired since the Test Champion. I think Watling is one of them that retired since. But yeah, I know it's tough, isn't it? It is. You and feel- and did you see in the celebration in the aftermath of the semi final, Jimmy Nation was sitting on the bench just like stone cold, like. <laughs> And, and everyone was like, oh, what are you doing? Why aren't you celebrating? And he's like, job's not done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and he was, and he's right, as it turned out. Yeah, like, unfortunately, there, yeah. There, there was yeah. a reason for it. But- and this is the guy that tweeted, basically, kids don't ever start sport, uh, just get fat and happy and through knitting <laughs> like, <laughs> after the World Cup yeah. uh, debacle against England, yeah, in 2019. So let's, let's get into, I guess, some of the meat of this really weird start to the game. Mitch Stark, second ball, absolutely smashed a D point for four. Massive six over long on from Daryl Mitchell facing Glenn Maxwell. And then but the rest, well, the rest the of lowest the, power play in the entire tournament. Yeah, the rest of the power play was just, it was a fizzle. Lowest score in the entire tournament. One for 32. Yep. And that had that more final feel to it. Again, finals often, the pressure's ramped up, so often the scoring is a bit lower. Yeah. And it's just, for me, it was just down to a lack of intent and it, it completely personified Martin Guptill's inning. He's one of the most dangerous players around. There is not a single ground in the world that he can't clear. Well, he's had a double ton in the 50 over stuff, hasn't he? I'm pretty sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the he, man can hit a ball. He can. Yeah. But he makes 28 off 35, including 12 off his last 20 balls. Yeah. That, that cannot happen. Well, it's, he basically accounted for more than a quarter of the balls faced. It's huge. We did, yeah. Yeah. And it has been brought to attention by Brendan McCollum. He came out and made that very point about that lack of, of intent. And it sort of, it did, it looked like they were well and truly on track for a below par score. And had it not been for a little bit of luck and then the ensuing class of Kane Williamson, who knows what New Zealand would have ended up with. And again, Kane Williamson smacked one, nearly got caught on the boundary, dropped by Josh Hazelwood, possibly in the ring of fire lights. And then sure enough, went for six because he parried it over the boundary. And then hit another four, couple of fours after that, and he was off, and it was a great knock. Well, here's the thing. So when Williamson played that shot, he was at a runner ball 21. Yeah. He took 64 off his next 27. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he finished strong, very strong. That's the highest score by a captain in a T20 World Cup final. Yeah. On a scale of one to six, how petrified were you when that catch went down? Um. Look, after the semi, I had more confidence than some. I know a few people in our chat were like, no, nah, no chance. But after our effort in the semi, I thought that we had a pretty good chance still. But yeah, it was not a good one to drop. I power of negative thinking the shit out of that one. <laughs> uh, as, soon as, as soon as the semis were done, I was like, yep, congrats to New Zealand. Well done. Yeah. They've done well. Well, the cricket podcast blokes were ready to anoint Pakistan the semi-final without that one being played. Yeah, right. so there's a reason they play the games. T20 is a cruel game, though, isn't it? it? it you is. know, like a few millimetres here or there. I have to say, as soon as the ball was dropped, my mind immediately went to Herschel Gibbs. And then it went to Hassan Ali. And I thought, fuck, that's not good. You just knew that he was going to make the most of that. You know you can't give a player like Kane Williamson a second chance. And look, fair play to him. He was absolutely spectacular. He controlled his innings well. He put the foot down right when he needed to. What was sad, though, is that it just destroyed Starkey's figures. So Hazelwood, the bloke that was three for 16, dropped the catch off the bloke that ended up going for 60. The worst figures in a T20 World Cup final, for the record. And his worst figures by 10 runs. His previous worst was none for 50. Probably not surprising as well. Yeah. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. 15 and over. Crikey. So, as you mentioned, Hazelwood, three for 16. Pat Cummins, none for 27. Zampa, one for 26. Those three, their line and length was impeccable throughout 
unfortunately, it was the others. As you mentioned, Starkey was terrible. None for 28 off three for Maxwell. None for 11 off Mitch Marsh is only over. So that's the reason they were able to then sort of push. It was that that sort of... That fifth bowler. Fifth bowler and it's the same issue that England had, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But it still, it, it did kind of look like it was on a knife's edge at the end of that. You, you kind of looked at it and said, right, 172... It's a, it's a good score in a final. Runs on the board. Runs on the board, yeah. Which yeah. I know you talk about all the time. Yeah, yeah. In a final, it's it, it means a lot. But the team chasing won nearly every match this entire tournament. Finchie winning six out of seven tosses was pretty good. It, it helps. <laughs> I heard on Cricket Etc. today, he has won 18 of the last 22 tosses in T20 cricket. That is spectacular. Oh, in this tournament, it was a good record to have. Yep. It was very important. Very important. So for me, going into the batting innings, my big concern was around Ish Sodi and Mitch Santner. Yes, yep, yep, the spinners. They had bowled a little bit inconsistently throughout the tournament. So it seemed like one of them would be bowling beautifully. The other one would be going for 10 or 11 and over. Um, interestingly, Santner only bowled one over in that semi-final against England. Mm. And it, it wasn't bad, none for eight. No, yeah. So yeah. not a horrible over, but yeah, didn't bowl again. Yeah. But you just felt like if either one of them could tie up an end, it would be an issue. And unfortunately for New Zealand, no one really, aside from Trent Bolt, managed to get any sort of traction. Trent Bolt was magnificent. He was. Absolutely magnificent. So let's let's talk about Mitch Marsh for a second. Fastest 50 in a T20 World Cup final, 31 balls. Broke the record of 32, set by Kane Williamson about two hours earlier. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's classic. What a revelation Mitch was, though, in that number three uh, and after being left out of the game against England as well, probably the hardest spot in the lineup. The, what was the most impressive thing for you? Question without notice. Oh, well, I mean that innings in a final, it's it's it just so gutsy. He, I heard in the commentary, he hit a six off the first three bowlers he faced off their first delivery off three different bowlers. I fact checked that and it was incorrect. Oh, was it bugger? He he hit a six off the first ball of three of the six that he faced. Yep, but it wasn't three in order, was it? Okay. Not in order, no. Yeah, but that I mean, it's, even that is amazing. Still very that impressive. is amazing because you know you're allowed a one sighter. Yeah, <laughs> no, but he was not. just clubbing them all over the place. Yeah, it was it was beautiful innings to watch. I, th- I think what you're what you're basically trying to say is exactly what I thought was his intent. Yeah, fearless. To come out at one for 15, it would be so easy to say, we need to regroup slightly here. We need to kind of see a few deliveries, kind of get the eye in. And the run rate's already sitting at 9.3 yeah, as a yeah. requirement. Yeah, yeah, quickly. So yeah. you kind of, yeah, you kind of get a bit worried here. Yep. And he goes bang, 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 yeah. six, four, four. Yeah. And the, the six that he hit, oh. one of the most beautiful oh. flicks you'd say. I look forward to re-watching the innings. And just really good positive cricket shots. Yeah. yep, yep. So being clean, a, crisp hitting. Well, that yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, it's so easy to try that shot first ball and put one straight down the throat of a fielder. A complete contrast to how Aaron Finch was batting. So he struggled mightily at the beginning, and he just miss hit, miss hit, miss hit, miss hit. So I love this sequence of events, Joey. He finds the field once again. Wait on, fuck me. <laughs> Picked up loudly in the stump, like <laughs> NASA goes. <laughs> NASA goes calmly. Finch just needs to find the boundary. <laughs> And then he finally gets onto one. And then the shot after that, he gets caught. And that's the thing. When you're swinging, 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 you've got to miss hit one eventually. And that was so impressive about these blokes that just keep clubbing them like Marshy did. Just kept clubbing them. He didn't miss hit hardly anything. So I, for one, took great pleasure in seeing all the stuff coming out from the Eastern States. And, And I've made mention on this show a number of times about how 
it's we we know as WA people how much Victorians hated Mitch Marsh over the years. Marsh himself said it. There's this famous footage from a press conference where he goes, "Yeah, most of Australia hate me." He just admits it. But my favourite thing that I saw was a tweet from one of the sports betting companies that said, we're just busy at the moment deleting everything bad we've ever said about Mitch Marsh. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know what? Good on him for being able to laugh (laughs) at themselves. Yes, indeed. But he's so loved within the team. And a lot of people changed their mind about him after that Amazon documentary. Because having good teammates, having guys that can keep things light, have a laugh, they're vital. It's not just what happens on the pitch and in the grounds. So I think it probably has to be said, this is one of the best T20 innings that I will ever see, I dare say. Well, given the moment, yeah, hell yeah. Given the moment. And and also the poise of Glenn Maxwell. Okay, he came out in a fairly favourable position, but he likes to play his shots and... And he didn't get onto everything, it's got to be said, but he did enough. He did enough. He, He found the gaps. Yeah. And that reverse sweep that went to the boundary, the blokes running onto the field before the ball's even Yeah, I didn't like that. See, that to me was worse than the hitting a double bouncer. Yeah. And I know there was all that pent up, you know, no one gave Australia a chance. But yeah, it's like, guys, just let the ball hit the boundary. Two or three more seconds. Wait a second. Yeah. yeah, I I didn't love that. I think the camera angle actually made it look worse than it was. I think they were a good 10, 15 meters away. Yeah. Okay. But it looked like they were running straight past the Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, there you go. I must admit, I only saw it once. So. So a couple of little things, I guess, to round this out. New Zealand's score of 172 was the highest team score in a T20 World Cup final. So no surprise that Australia's score broke that yep. and was the highest chase ever. Yep. Just the second time ever as well, the West Indies in 2016, that the same nation has held both the men's and women's trophy at the same time. How's this? Australia also won the tournament without ever setting a score and winning. So every single win was chasing. Hmm, there you go. And the Windies also did that in the one they won. There you go. Funnily enough, yeah. Brilliant. I think ultimately a lot broke Australia's way and you need a lot to win. So obviously you need the skill and talent. Namibia wouldn't have won with the other two things I'm going to mention. David Weiser and <laughs> 10 more David Weisers. But you need you need a bit of luck. So the injuries to the English, the injuries to Getting the New Conway, Zealanders. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty big. And the toss as well. Winning the toss was huge. So yeah. Luck and skill, it all happened together. But you also need to learn lessons. And that was really big. So there's two key things for me. One, we absolutely screwed that English game. But we learned from it. We changed things afterwards. We showed more intent. We batted with a bit more pride and a bit more... We put Mitch Marsh back in. Well, that too. That too. Yeah. And look, I'll be honest. I thought we needed two spinners. And I, I would have considered playing both agar and marsh and maybe dropping stoyness which i know he was really important in the semi so it all worked out in the end but the other thing i really like too is i feel like steve smith kind of didn't come in at the right time in the pakistan match and when that wicket fell i said in our chat oh fuck i hope they don't bring smithy in and sure enough they didn't they made the right call so the coaching was good the tactics were perfect unlike england and their supercomputer apparently all their decisions are made based on a supercomputer it's just a magic eight ball yeah (laughs) Should we send in Chris Wokes next? Absolutely. <laughs> Pad up, Wokes, are you out now? Come yes, on, off you yes. go. Yes, unmoney ball, that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot broke our way, but hey, you've still got to play well. And like you say, record-breaking chase. Mm. So hats off. Hats off. Player of the tournament, Nath, David Warner. 
Yes. What, Unfortunately, what? there were a lot of Pakistanis that thought the wrong player was named player of the tournament, and they are absolutely right. David Warner should not won player of the tournament. Correct. Adam look, Zampa look, should have. I mean, you could make the, the argument he was a somewhat worthy winner. Second top run scorer yeah, in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Batted beautifully in the three games that mattered. 89 not out against the Windies in a do or die. Yeah. 49 in a semi, 53 in a final. Not bad for a bloke who, according to his wife, tongue-in-cheek, of course, was out of form, too old and slow. Yeah, well, that's what a lot of people are saying. And and he was dropped from his IPL team not, not so long ago. So, But I think we are absolutely in agreement here. Adam Zampa. Oh, dude. Like, he only had one match where he went for more than six and over. And that was obviously the England game. That's nuts. Yeah. So one for 22 off four, one for 20 off four, five for 19 off four, one for 37 off three. That's the bad one. Two for 12 off four and two for 21 off four. But by the way, one for 37 off three, it could be worse too because it's T20. So yeah, no, I think Zamps was, Zamps, he he, he scored a lot of respect for me. Like I've, I've always been, I think because I was such a, a Shane Warne fan, I've always struggled to fall in love with any other spinner since. But Zampa really won me over this tournament. A lot more respect for him now. He was superb. Absolutely superb. Well, okay. So let, let me run you through why he's player of the tournament for me. One of only two bowlers with a Pfeiffer, which is incredibly hard to do in 24 Oh, races. yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah. Second top wicket taker behind Weninza Hasaranga, who played an extra game. Yep. Average of just over 12, which ranked about seventh, I think it was, or certainly in the top 10 for, for average. Only Hasaranga bowled more than 12 overs in those, those sorts of top seven. He was also one of only two Aussies with an economy rate under six. Ashton Agar bowled less than three overs for the entire tournament. Yeah. It was how he would come in in the middle of an onslaught and just slow teams down yep. against Pakistan. He comes in with Pakistan. He's none for 49 off six. He bowls the next over for just four. Bowls the 10th over at none for 68, concedes three runs, picks up a wicket of Baba Azam. His fourth over was Pakistan, one for 117 off 15. He concedes just five. And then, as we said, he took one for 26 in the final. Three of his four overs were superb. And the thing I like about him is that when he did have a bad ball, he'd often follow it up with a really good one. Mm. And that's a sign of a good bowler. To not get rattled. When you do get hit for a six or four, you you can peg it back. So uh, he was yeah. fantastic. I think to go on your Shane Warne point, Warney obviously got so many wickets with how far he spun the ball. Zampa gets his with the slight variations, the you know, the googlies the, or the Romans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he gets a lot of guys mistiming slogs out to the boundary and, and he does it well. So yep, subtle deviations. Yeah, yeah. I, yep. I think absolutely should have been player of the tournament. Unlucky David Warner, but, you know, you still get to keep the silverware. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he could have had a hat trick too, by the way, if he hadn't had a catch dropped. True. So we haven't had a chance to travel much at all lately in the last couple of years, Chewy. But one thing we do like to do when we travel is see some live sport. And you got to in Adelaide when you were there on business. I did. I got very, very lucky. You there did. You got a good of, one. A bit of WBBL going on. And yeah, former Aussie captain Karen Rolton, actually, funnily enough, has just been announced as an inductee into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame. Oh, cool. And she'll go in on the 2nd of December. I have to say, I actually knew that Rolton was good, but I did not realise she was that good. 14 tests, average 55 with the bat, top score of 209 not out, 23 with the ball. Wow. 141 ODIs, 48 average with the bat, top score of 154 not out. She actually beat Sri Lanka by 72 runs on her own in that match. And 20.8 with the ball, 15 T20Is, she averaged 50 with the bat and 12 with the ball. So superb. Hard to argue with that. Yeah, Yeah, one of the best. Yeah. So while I was in Adelaide, though, I 
found out there was an oval named after her on the edge of the CBD and there was some WBBL going on. So Adelaide were playing the Sydney Thunder. And I thought, ah, look, I'll go along, I'll check it out. It's... And I kept an eye on it on Crick Info and it started slow, didn't it? And it was cold and the it, weather was well, shit, wasn't it? Was, it? So there were none for two or three overs. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, mess- I think I messaged you saying, yeah. well, fuck, I picked a crack at it. That's right. And that's when I said, oh, yeah, I know. I've been watching it on Crick Info. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. It is the coldest place on earth. I, I It's like Siberia. On earth? <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure at one point in that evening, there was like three feet of snow and negative 50 degree crosswinds. It was insane. Cutting glass with your nipples. Basically. Do you know what the worst part though was? I didn't have an interest in the outcome because neither of the teams are from Perth, but it was a cracking game. So I couldn't leave. Yeah. It's great when you're a neutral to see a a good game. It was nuts. So Dane Van Nykirk and Laura Wolfhart made half centuries. Adelaide made four for 176. Imagine if they'd done well in the first three overs. Yeah, well, exactly. Could have been 200. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like New Zealand. Like, the scores that those teams made considering their starts were bloody impressive. Well, yeah, it was only, what, four-run difference? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then it's sort of the Sydney girls just kind of got into a little bit of a a holding pattern. Nothing really much was going on. And I was like, right, okay, it's getting cold now. I'm going to start heading home. Isn't that funny? You often have those moments at sporting events when you're not 100% invested where you're like, oh, I might go, oh, one more over. Or like one more minute or one more, yeah, I'll wait to the end of the quarter or whatever it might be. Yeah, it was like there's three balls left in this over. If it gets to the end of the over and nothing's happened, I'll go. And then Issy Wong just went mental. She sure did. 43 off 17 with six sixes. Yeah. I was just like, come on, just, like, <laughs> just get out. And eventually, eventually she did. And they, they came up about, I don't know, 10, 15 runs short. But yeah, yeah. it was, it, yeah, it was just crazy. And, and look, a great venue to watch live sport from. Unfortunately, it was just one of the coldest days I can ever remember. <laughs> so yeah, if people are in Adelaide, I do recommend going along, having a look. If you can, uh, if you can get some cricket there, it is, it is a great venue. But uh, yeah, a little bit of a lull in the women's last four completed matches. We've only seen one team register more than 100 runs. Yeah. Which is not great. Not at all. And since the 94 that she made against Perth, Alyssa Healy's had five scores below 20. So she's struggling a little bit. I saw a bit of her um, match on the on Saturday, actually. Yeah, down mm. the pub. Yeah. So yeah, thank God for Beth Mooney. 101 off 63 last week. Then she had a couple of shockers, followed by 57 not out off 38 and 83 not out off 53. At least she likes Karen Rollmobile. <laughs> Can I round out this? So last time we recorded about the T20, I was concerned about the length of matches. Mm-hmm. Here's a, a tweet from Benedict Bermange. The overrate in the ICC T20 World Cup in 2009 was 14.79 overs per hour. In ICC T2021, it was 11.55 overs per wow. hour. In practical terms, a full two times 20 over match, so the 40 overs, both teams, plus a 10-minute interval would have taken two hours and 52 minutes in 2009, would now take three hours, 38 minutes, or 26% longer. Wow. And this was my issue with T20. It's just blowing out, blowing out, blowing out. Yeah. Shit, we might need the 100. (laughs) (laughs) Perish the thought. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, a bit of a quick bloody hell this week, and it's, it's a pretty cute one, I have to say. And we go to New York. And the greatest competitor in the history of the New York Marathon. Her name is Wrinkle, and she's a duck. <laughs> oh, find the footage. This amazing video has emerged as 
part of a 30,000 strong field in the New York Marathon, running through the course. And there's Wrinkle pounding the pavement. With, with some little the, shoes. Yeah, with some of the best <laughs> technique you'll ever see. And this tiny, this tiny little red shoes. Unfortunately, there's not a whole heap of information on the time. So I'm not sure if Wrinkle actually completed the marathon. She was stopping along the way, getting photos with a lot of the crowd. But it's, uh, it's very, very cute. And she has the Instagram handle seductive. Yes, I saw that. Which is very, very cool. Yes, yes. Love I, a pun. I saw someone with the handle at G-P-O-M-M-E-N. So G-Pommen. Oh, yeah. Who put it best. I'm running out of excuses never to run. <laughs> and I feel you. I feel you. I'm just glad there wasn't a fox on the side of the road holding a sign saying Elizomiopi or something, you know. <laughs> That's a stretch. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, there's only Foxy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's probably LA, isn't it, actually? Yeah, probably. I've been saying Alice. Alice Omiopi. Christ, what's with the pronunciation? <laughs> pronunciation. Oh, God. Can I just quickly say, anyone that says pronunciation, please go drown yourself in a bath. <laughs> Christ. Anyway. For ducking out of the park to run a marathon, wrinkle the duck, all I can say is... Bloody hell. Bloody hell. So, Shui, I think we need to start NBA this week with the most compelling news coming out of the association in recent times. LeBron James wasn't happy with the end of Squid Game. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what his issue was. I mean, you've just finished it fairly recently. I finished it a while ago. I mean, yeah, what- I really liked it. I thought, I mean, without doing spoilers, I thought it was a good ending. Mm. Yeah. So the creator, Huang Dong Hyuk, Apologies if I said that wrong. Said, have you seen Space Jam 2? Which I thought was a nice little (laughs) subtle dig. Perfect. But what he should have said was, oh, well, LeBron, I didn't like the end to your 2010-2011 season. Which, yeah, would be... If we're talking about endings. Would be a very, very fair fair finish. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I just don't know what the problem was with it. I mean... No, I thought it was a good ending. I think it opens up beautifully for a second season. Well, that's right. That's right. If it was a standalone series, then sure. But Mm. they... Need the doors open for a second season. Well, God, I mean, it's been that successful. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I enjoyed it and I look forward to season two. Absolutely. So no, in all seriousness... I'll tell you what, though, that Marbles episode. Oh, oh that's a borderline tearjerker. Oh, not borderline. <laughs> well, I, I, not borderline. You said you're not a crier, too. No, no. well, a tearjerker doesn't mean you're actually crying. Oh, okay, it just no, means yeah. you're sort of welling up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, okay, but, oh, there you go. No, yeah. no, the, uh, yeah, absolutely a tearjerker. That one I was, um, yeah, I was struggling a bit with that Yeah, one. yeah, but, no, uh, yeah, good, good stuff. <sighs> Definitely worth watching. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I want to say stuff, but I don't want to spoil If you can it. handle violence. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Even if you can't, make the effort. <laughs> it's not real. It's just jam. Yeah. It's just jam. It's not real <laughs> blood. Sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, anyway, all right. Look, we don't real have stuff. a heap of time for NBA this week. Um, obviously, the cricket had to take precedent. But and we're going to have some big basketball episodes coming up, as I said at the top. Some massive stuff. Yeah. What we probably will talk about today, though, is a couple of altercations that have taken place. Yes, ugly. Yeah. We, look, we we kind of wanted to talk about some of the surprising teams. There have been some there've been some really crazy starts to the season for a few teams. So Washington, for example, ten and three. Milwaukee and Atlanta struggling below 500 but we'll we'll talk about them next week when we've got a little bit more time we'll probably also talk about Steph Curry who'll probably almost have broken Ray Allen's regular season record well that's right I mean Steph will just have even more impressive Steph stuff to talk about I'm sure but we will talk about these these fights just yes, quickly. So yes. the, well fights I don't know if fights the right word but altercations, altercations probably, yeah, probably was the right yeah, word yeah 
start off in Denver. Yes. So Nikola Jokic, the Nuggets are playing the Miami Heat. They're blowing the heat out. They're up by 17 with about two and a half minutes left. Yep. And Markeith Morris basically tries to commit the foul to stop Jokic in a sort of semi-fast break. It's a pretty crude foul. It was a cheap shot. It was unnecessary. It was an elbow it was into, a cheap into shot. the midriff. Yeah. Why do you need to stop a fast break, as you say, when the scoreboard and time is the way it is? Or one like that. If you're going to foul yeah, the guy, no, just, it was a cheap just, shot. just wrap him up. Yeah, it was a cheap shot. So Jokic has basically delivered the, the even bigger cheap shot. Yeah, yep. Taken three, Fighting fire with fire. three big steps and a massive elbow to the, the ribs, I guess you would say. Yep. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, look, it was. It, I, I do think it was a cheap shot, answering a cheap shot. There's no excuse for it. He got suspended a game. He should have got at least some sort of suspension, I think. Do you think one was enough? I don't know. I mean, it's probably the sort of thing they don't want in the game. The NBA is pretty lenient with suspensions, unless you're on our test. Yeah, well. But even when he gave that big elbow way back in the day against OKC, he like he could have ended a guy's career. Hmm. But um, anyway, sorry, I know we've talked about that before too. Yeah, look, untidy, uh, undisciplined. He knew he did the wrong thing as soon as he did it. I don't think it's in his nature. I think he had a brain snap. I suggest Morris probably was needling him all game long, and that was the straw that broke the Jokic's back. But it wasn't. It wasn't a good a good look at all. No. I'm going to take a different approach. I love that he did it. Yeah, well, I absolutely love it, and not just because I'm not a fan of the Morris twins. I, I, I mean, I'm not. No, me neither anymore. But my, my personal thoughts with these sorts of things are, yeah, if you're going to deliver a cheap shot first, you've got to be prepared. You've got to expect one. You've yeah. got to be prepared for the retaliation. Yeah. If you're going to do that and then turn your back, that's what you're going to get. And I know Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley were echoing that sentiment on Inside the NBA, sort of saying, you hit me, don't turn your back. The whole Shaq trying to knock Brad Miller out when, yeah, when, yeah. when he was playing for the Lakers. Yeah. It's, yeah, this is the culmination of years of cheap shots and, yeah, I agree. What goes around comes around. Absolutely. And if it were the playoffs, I'd be like, oh, I don't want him to be suspended in the playoffs. In the regular, one game probably was right, I think. Yeah. The the real interesting part about this the though, aftermath. was the aftermath on yeah. Twitter yeah. with Marcus Morris sort of coming in going, okay, you're going to hit him with, with his back turned, noted. Yeah, yeah. And apparently... They did. I've seen it. The Jokic... No, apparently they the Jokic brothers, so the two brothers of, of Nicola who are scary scary looking oh dudes. they're as big as him yeah and and musclier as well yeah within what an hour they had actually signed up for twitter yeah yeah i saw it with my own eyes and they were, created they created a brand new account just to retort and we're firing back and forth yeah. and i tell you what apparently <sighs> apparently they threw knives at him as a kid yes for not, so, for not climbing a tree so i saw someone someone write oh like don't those Jokic guys know the streets of miami and then someone else went uh they're from fucking serbia yeah. mate like war torn, like, <laughs> like yeah, like might might be a little <laughs> bit more dangerous than walking around Belgrade. Like yeah. it's it's not exactly the easiest place to to live sometimes. But but the funny thing was, I saw the um, Morris twins' mum said enough Stop of this. Stop you. <laughs> yeah, and so he replied, "Sorry, mama," and didn't write another tweet. Yeah. So the other <laughs> oh, thing I shit. wanted to ask you was, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Butler trying to escalate things by saying, "Bring your ass to the back"? Oh, that's that's just Jimmy Butler. That's what he's like, isn't it? It's it, it's such a contrast to Trey Young, who can't get excited about the regular season anymore, isn't it? Yeah, you know, no, like no. such such emotion in a regular season blowout. Well I, mean, it's, well, I mean, it is a given that the Atlanta Hawks will make the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah, they might, might be lucky to make the play-in mm. at the rate they're going. 
but did you see as the players were all heading to the back and this whole thing was threatening to escalate that there was this one like balding security guy that somehow managed to stop the entire team from getting back there like yeah this but it's, it's all, all theater sure. it's yeah. all theater <laughs> it no is. one wants to get suspended they earn so much money the nba fights are faux they are now yeah. unless unless you're kermit washington uh yeah it's <laughs> it, a lot has changed in the nba in the last few decades oh, kareem knocking out uh what was his name? Kim Benson or something. One of these old guys from Milwaukee. Chuck knocked down Paul McKeskey. There's a few guys. Larry Bird and Bill Lambeer getting into it. There's- Bill Lambeer and Isaiah Thomas on the same team. True. That was off the court. So, yeah, look, I agree with what Jokic did. I, I know everyone's going to say, oh, he should, like, should be able to hold his temper. No, fuck that. You hit me, I'm going to hit you back. Oh, he, he should be able to hold his temper, but you can understand why he did what he did. And again, when a bloke's one of those needling kind of constantly being a shit, eventually what goes around comes around. Damn right. Now, the other one was very interesting. It comes from the Utah Jazz and Indiana Pacers match. And a little bit of much ado about nothing to start with. So Miles Turner and Rudy Gobert got into a tiny shoving match. And there was a little bit of, you know, oh, he's knocked me over. I'm going to pull his leg down so he can't run around. Argy bargy. But Joe Ingles comes flying in to break this up and manages to push Ed Malloy out the way. Yeah. And I must say, that is the fastest I've ever seen Joe Ingles run. <laughs> well, that's that's nice. He's defending his teammate. But for me, if Jokic gets suspended for a game for pushing Morris, how the fuck does Joe Ingles get away with just a fine? Yeah. Yeah. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. Like, surely the referee is protected more. You would have thought so. I, I just, I can't understand how this was only what $40,000 fine you've got to be talking multiple games for this a two-hand shove now okay it looked afterwards like Ingles was like oh god I probably shouldn't have done that yeah you could tell that he kind of didn't 100% realize what was happening at the time but you've just you've got to know better than this yeah yeah protect the refs You, you have to protect them yeah so, yeah, for me, this this should have been at least two matches for me. I'm really disappointed that the league didn't step in and, you know, set an example. Like I said, the NBA does not like suspending players. They don't – it seems to be a last resort. Yeah, I, I just don't see how yeah. they can't, though, when you're talking about a two-hand push on a referee. That's just, yeah, should be automatic for me. Mm. And then just quickly, we've seen a pretty disgusting thing former Chicago Bull Corey Benjamin's daughter. Yes, I saw the footage. I didn't realise it was her. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'd be pretty impressed if you could tell that that was Corey Benjamin. No, but I mean, like, I just saw the footage, like, without kind of getting the context of the story. Yeah, yeah. I I think most people probably don't even know who Corey Benjamin is. Well, true, I guess. Very much in a minority. Yeah, that's true. That's true. uh, Only a bit player, yeah. But, yeah, basically, his daughter's gone up for a three... Another girl on the opposing team has closed out quite close, maybe not quite a Zaza Pachulia sort of uh, sort of close <laughs> Kawhi, out. Yeah. But yeah, she got a little bit close, and apparently the mum has yelled out something along the lines of, "You're not going to take that. You need to hit her." Really? And she's come through and swinging left arm. Kind of, it was a, like a clothesline, wasn't it? Was it? Like it was, a, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a sucker punch. Yeah, it was terrible. She, she it was terrible. Absolutely nailed this girl. Yeah, put her down, and yeah, just kept swinging at whoever would come near her. It's Utterly disgraceful. It is disgraceful. The punishment has to fit the crime. If you're going to act like that when someone steps in your landing zone a little bit, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? You're going to fucking kill someone if they actually do something really egregious? Holy shit. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. Disgraceful. It's, it is disgraceful. Let's finish with a nice shoey. Patty Mills. Patty Mills. Yeah. So named the ACT Australian of the Year nominee this week. So just as Dylan was the Victorian nominee, Patty Mills the ACT. 
superb honour. You would struggle to find a guy who deserves it more. Absolutely. And how did he celebrate? Nine three-pointers against OKC in a 29-point outing, I think yeah. it was. Oh, he's, he's loving that Brooklyn uniform. He is having a very, very good season and well and truly earning those dollars. Yep. And now, this week in sport history. November 17, 1888, police in Chantilly, France, arrest boxer John L. Sullivan after his match with Englishman Charlie Mitchell, charging him for being cruel. Uh, cruel. <laughs> this was the third meeting between the two, taking place on the grounds of a chateau. It was a horrible day for boxing with driving rain, but the men went at it for two hours to the point where they were so injured by the end of it that neither man could lift their arms to throw punches and the match was considered a draw. At this point, a local gendarmerie arrived, basically a member of one arm of the police force, placing Mitchell under arrest. He spent a few days in a jail cell and was fined due to bare-knuckle boxing being illegal in France at the time. Sullivan is considered to be the last bare-knuckle boxing champion as all boxers wore gloves from then on. He pleaded ignorance. <laughs> November 18th, 1987, Chicago Cubs' Andre Dawson becomes the first player to win an MVP despite playing for a team that finished in last place after taking the National League MVP despite the Cubs finishing 18 and a half games 18 and a half yeah. oh, tons. behind the St. Louis Cardinals. Alex Rodriguez actually managed to replicate this in 2003 with the Texas Rangers. And I had a look in NBA circles. Only Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has won a league MVP on a non-playoff team. Yeah, fair enough. Speaking of Kareem, by the way, yeah, how crazy is this story? I completely forgot about it in the, in the NBA this section. This is not good. His son, Adam, apparently stabbed his neighbor several times in the back, neck, head and abdomen in a dispute over trash cans. Oh. And yet he received only six months in prison and two years of probation. What a miscarriage of justice. Uh, without knowing more, that sounds like a very light sentence. It does. Yeah. There must be more context there. I don't know if there is, to be honest, but... I might do some research on that one. Mm. November 19th, 1932, college footballer Joe Kashala of West Liberty State Teachers scores 71 points on 11 touchdowns and five point after kicks as part of a 137 to nil thrashing of Cedarville College. If you're interested, the NFL record stands at 36. Shared by Dub Jones of the Cleveland Browns in 1951, Gail Sayers of the Chicago Bears in 1965, and Alvin Kamara for the St. Louis Saints on Christmas Day last year. Merry Christmas. Yes, indeed. November 22nd, 1956, the 16th Summer Olympic Games open in Melbourne, Australia, becoming the first host city in the Southern Hemisphere. These were also the first Olympic Games to take place in Oceania and the first to be held outside Europe and North America. To this date, only three Summer Olympic Games, Melbourne in 1956, Sydney in 2000 and Rio de Janeiro in 2016, have been held in the Southern Hemisphere. And we're yet to see a Winter Olympics down here because, well, you know, you kind of need a lot of snow. Yes, big and holes won't do the trick. No, no, it won't. As much as Roy and HG would like it. This Week in Sport History. All right, so we'll race through the NFL street. There's been a lot of interesting stuff going on. I can't believe it, but the Manning Night football curse continues. Very few would have had the Jags beating the Bills. It's nuts. No one's going to go on that show now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you should come in on the eve of the Super Bowl. No, <laughs> no, 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 Mannings. No chance. Uh, um, there were some ref dramas in the Bears and Steelers. It was absolutely outrageous. The Bears were absolutely screwed. And it's got to be said, did the ref stick his ass out so that Cassius Marsh would bump into him? Yes. It looked really dodgy, didn't it? 
Like I, it was I, a reverse Toby Green. I don't think you can put any other bow on it. He absolutely he stuck the the body out to try and make contact. And, and the fact he kept his hand raised like he just hit a Steph Curry three yeah. after he threw the flag. Did he say Kobe? I'm pretty sure he did. Well, you may as well as yeah. yeah, that was disgraceful. It was absolutely disgraceful. And then the other thing, Aaron Rodgers, who went around telling everyone he was immunized, caught COVID nineteen because he hadn't had a shot, so he missed a game for the Packers. Oh dear. Yeah. I think the funniest thing about that was a skit on uh, Saturday Night Live. So um, the the guy playing him, uh, was that bloke? What's that bloke? Pete. Pete Davidson. People can talk all they want, but at the end of the day, my record is still seven and one. So this is prior to this weekend's games. Meaning of the eight people I've infected, seven are fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But yeah, it wasn't a good look from, from Rogers. Pretty disgraceful, it's got to be said. For the record, they're eight and one now. Yes. Actually, the first, first time Russell Wilson's ever been shut out. Yeah, there you go. In, okay. in his career. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. 17 nothing. Mahomes had a bounce back too. Yes, that's exactly what I've got here, Nathan. Are the a Chiefs massive. back? Uh, oh, look, not necessarily. But uh, You're sitting atop the AFC West? Yeah, but every team in the AFC West has the same <laughs> record, basically. Yeah, look, look they, I'm not convinced they're a Super Bowl threat. No, probably not. Uh, they they could make some noise in the playoffs. They've got to get there first. They probably will get there. Yeah, but you got, it's, I mean, it's, it's certainly encouraging. You've got to give Mahomes some credit. 405 yards, 35 of 50 passing, five touchdowns, no interceptions over the weekend. First guy ever with multiple 400-yard, five-touchdown games. Yep. They're looking... A lot better. Yeah, it's still their D, though, for me. I think their D is is really shaky. Look, yeah. a win's a win. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Now, Nath, I do have to ask you this. How good is it to see Cam Newton back with the Panthers? Yeah, it's, it's come full circle. It's interesting, isn't it? Some There's some school of thought say they never should have let him go in the first place. Correct. Yeah. So how's this? Rushing TD on his first snap, passing TD. TD's on, on his first two touches. On his first pass. Yep, first two touches. And they pumped the previously 8-1 and one Arizona Cardinals to get back to 5-5. Five and five. Colomar is injured, though, and so I don't, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins played either. So the Cardinals were pretty under, underdone. 8-1 yeah. and one Arizona Cardinals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They got him at <laughs> no, a good time. They, they got him at a good time. They did, but yeah. uh, geez, good. And did you actually see the footage of him after the rushing touchdown, take his helmet off and scream to the crowd, I'm back! Uh, no, I didn't. I'm back! That's awesome. Yeah, great. Yeah. Really, really great. A couple of other things I've seen. Odell Beckham Jr. signs with the Rams. Well, they needed him to because Robert Woods got injured. So it's a real shame because with Robert Woods, they would have been so, 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 so impressive. He's kind of nearly a like-for-like replacement, but he's not as good a blocker as as Robert Woods. So it's a big signing for them, and it came at a good time. But But they still lost today. He's better at ridiculous catches. Oh, yeah, he's very skilled. But I think as an all-round player, Robert Woods is a better player. Rex Ryan on Sunday night on NFL Live said that Robert Woods was the best blocking wide receiver he's ever coached. So that is a big loss for them. But yes, no, they got him at the right time. They did. They definitely got him at the right time. An interesting little thing that I saw, and really interesting little one here, Trevon Diggs, eight interceptions through nine games so far. bloody good. Do you know the all-time record? Have a guess what it is. Oh, wow. Um, Question without notice. Yeah, that's, that's good. Oh, could be any number of players too. Well, it's a guy in 1952. So oh, okay, okay. I don't expect you to know who Dick Lane is. Yeah, yeah, okay. But, okay. How, but how many? Oh, what? Oh, maybe. I'm guessing it's more than I'm going to think. I'll say 20. 14. 14, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's... A better interception stat. Josh Allen was intercepted by Josh Allen. Really? In the Bills versus Jags game. 
Yeah. Different Josh Allen. I'm yeah, assuming. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's can't... a Josh Allen on both teams. Wow. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Interception week. Can I finish with this, Chewy? Yeah. So we talked about Aaron Rodgers. He was fined $14,650 for violation of COVID protocols. Based on his $22.4 million salary, that's the equivalent of finding an average American $33.80. But what's even worse? CD Lamb was fined $6,000 more for having his shirt untucked. Oh, disgraceful. Yeah. yeah. These, these young kids nowadays with their untucked shirts but like, and their backwards baseball caps. COVID versus untucked shirts? Oh, I'm team untucked shirt. Six grand difference? Disgraceful. It is disgraceful by the league. So he said, annoy me, nah, confuse me a lot. Very much so, yes. So he was very zen about it all, but that's terrible. It is. Lift your game, NFL. Tuck those shirts in, boys. All right, sure, you know what that music means. What do you amp for? Well, as if we haven't had enough cricket recently, some cracking series coming up. <laughs> got the Windies in Sri Lanka, Pakistan in Bangladesh, New Zealand's Tour of India. No one gets a break. And then you've got Monday's heavyweight clash between Bhutan and Kuwait in the women's T20s. <laughs> Plus, I randomly found highlights from the UIAA World Ice Climbing Championships uh, from March this year. Cracking effort from Vladislav Temerev of Russia. Household <laughs> name. How about yourself, mate? <laughs> well, it's true. I never thought I'd say it, but pre-season basketball. Woohoo! NBL Blitz. We've got a lot of exciting NBL shows coming up in the next few weeks. But until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.